Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. The Really Bad Farmer, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Luke 8, verse 15. Based on Jesus' parable of the sower, this amusing story encourages us to work the soil of relationship before we cast our seeds. Once long ago, some great stories were told, repeated so often they never get old. Not merely tall tales, they are great metaphors and full of God's truth and life lessons galore. There's walking on water, the prodigal son, leaving the 99 sheep for the one, the servant who buries his cash in the soil, the bridegroom who tarries, 10 virgins with oil, the widow's lost penny, the pearl of great price, the Samaritan man who was caring and nice, the vine and the branches adopting God's armor, and my personal favorite, the really bad farm. Now, I know what you're thinking. That's not in the Bible. And before you all bellow, imposter and libel, I admit I've just given the tale a new groove, but if Jesus were here, I'm sure he'd approve. For this saga, it captures a part of the story that teaches the truth in a new allegory. So savor this parable, for it's a charmer, as I offer to you the really bad farmer. There once was a young man who purchased a farm, for he wanted to work with his back and his arms. No white-collared job, no career with a desk. He longed to be brawny and cornhusker-esque. To be a great farmer, a planter, a mulcher, although he knew nothing about agriculture. I doubt he could tell a pitchfork from a plow, a ewe from a ram, or a bull from a cow. He didn't know winnowing or crop rotation, seasonal planting or drip irrigation. He only knows farming is his destiny. When asked, he would say, just how hard can it be? You take a small seed and you just cast it down, then wait for the rain to come water the ground. And after some time, you return to the scene to harvest your carrots, your broccoli, your beans. Artichokes, Brussels sprouts, onions, and beets. You clean them, you cook them, you serve them, you eat. What could be easier, more of a winner, than just tossing a seed and then eating your dinner? So, getting up early one fine sunny day, he got right to farming, no pause or delay. 
He'd purchased some seeds from the mercantile store and also a bag that hung down to the floor. Filling that sack till he feared it would pop, he set out determined to plant his first crop. But where to deposit this first season's sowing? He wasn't quite sure as to where he was going. Then slapping his forehead with gusto, he crowed, I'll plant on the walkway right beside the main road. It's already cleared and so easy to get to. Come on, little seeds, that's the place where I'll set you. Now that ground had been trampled by thousands of feet, creating a surface like hardened concrete. So when the small seeds hit those high traffic flats, they bounced just like gymnasts and mad acrobats. But he never noticed, he only kept flinging, nor saw how excited the birds were all singing. Till finally that bag, once as fat as a blimp, just hung round his shoulders, slack, empty, and limp. So proud of his first day of work as a farmer, he went in the house as the weather turned warmer. There were those who rejoiced at the work he had done as the seeds lay exposed in the hot summer sun. First a robin, a pigeon, a sparrow, a shrike descend from the sky to eat all that they like. Then whippoorwills, mockingbirds, starling, and grouse soon join in the feast while he naps in the house. Partridges, meadowlarks, blue jays all snack, why even a woodpecker got in the act. Soon no seed remained, not a husk or a thistle. That ground had been picked just as clean as a whistle. Awakened refreshing from his afternoon nap, the farmer, in blue jeans and green John Deere cap, exits the farmhouse to get in some hoeing and walks to the place of his earlier sowing. Imagine his shock when he looks at the ground and sees it's as clean as the tooth of a hound. He puzzled and pondered, considered, reflected, then vowed to be buoyant and not be dejected. Farmers must manage with setbacks and trials, and he set off at once for the old mercantile. Then bagging more seeds which he'd bought at the store, he returned to the walkway to scatter once more. In no time at all, he had emptied his load again on that pathway right next to the road. Then nodding his head at an effort done right, he returned to the house to turn in for the night. His leaving, like magic, like casting a spell, effectively sounded a bird dinner bell. Back they all came, all the robins and wrens, but this time they brought a whole flock of their friends. And before you could utter the words goodness sake, they gobbled those seeds like a fat kid eats cake. Now I wish I could say that when the farmer discovered the compacted path was completely uncovered, that he learned a lesson, a farming technique, to keep what you're planting from gluttonous beaks. But that wasn't the case, no conclusion evolved. The only result was to firm his resolve. So back to the mercantile, back for more seeds, then back to the pathway to sow with all speed, then back to the house and back into bed, and back come the birds who all are well fed. For a week, this impotent routine didn't cease till the birds couldn't fly, they were far too obese. And finally the farmer concluded with wrath he couldn't develop a crop on this path. 
This parcel of ground is too smooth for my needs. That's got to be why it won't hold any seeds. I'll look for a place much more bumpy and rough, with nooks and with crannies that hold on to stuff. With that, he departed, his seed bag in hand, to scout out a likely new section of land. It didn't take long till he felt rather cocky and found a location uneven and rocky. Surmising his seeds would be safe and protected, he scattered them all on the ground he'd selected. And when his distributing came to a stop, admiring his work, he cried, let there be crop. For two or three days, he was busy with chores, repaired all his fences and hung his barn doors. So finally he felt it was time to be going to check and to see if his seedlings were growing. Making his way to that rough plot of soil, he feels his excitement and pleasure uncoil. For there, round the rocks, is a rich patch of green, the most beautiful spectacle he's ever seen. Dancing a jig like a crazed leprechaun, he imagines the food he'll be soon feasting on. Butternut squash, ripe tomatoes and peas, asparagus, radishes covered in cheese, cauliflower, spinach, potatoes, zucchini, cucumbers, cabbage, eggplant, broccolini. He runs through the list till his brains like to burst. The sumptuous challenge is what he'll eat first. So, leaving his plants to continue their growing, he's thankful he chose this location for sowing. But, what he didn't know and what he couldn't tell was the depth of the soil in this small stony dell. No more than an inch beneath where all were sown, the ground is impregnable, unyielding stone. Each plant was restricted to small, shallow roots that couldn't quite anchor or nourish the shoots. So, when later the sun in its potency hit, it roasted those plants like a pig on a spit. Imagine the farmer returning next day, believing his harvest would fill up the day. Instead, he stands staring and clutching his basket, depression so deep he in no way can mask it. He's mourning his plants, desiccated and wilted, and feels like a lover, abandoned and jilted. But there in the distance, he spies an expanse that seems to be bursting with all kinds of plants. He quickly walks over and clearly can see the ground is alive with thorns, thistles, and weeds. Yet he's not discouraged, he's strangely inspired for a brand new idea for sowing is sired. If this soil can curry these briars and weeds, can cause them to prosper, can meet all their needs, then why can't my seedlings here also abide? I'll just do my sowing right here alongside. The farmer reviewed his bulletproof plan, rushed back to the mercantile, order in hand. Once making his purchase, he heads out the door, but pauses when he hears, Excuse me, senor. Adorning the porch on a chair in the shade, a man in sombrero drinks pink lemonade. He's old and he's wizened, quite scanty and lean. 
His clothing and shoes are well-worn, but quite clean. His visage resembles an overcooked churro. He winks at the farmer and points to his burrow. My Pepe has been wondering the size of your fields. His ironic smile not quite fully concealed. You've bought enough seeds to plant North Carolina, Canada, Spain, and three quarters of China. Are you sowing in quicksand or just being thorough? I ask on behalf of my curious burrow. The farmer was puzzled and paused by the quip, then remembered he'd walked by this man on each trip. I know that you've watched me buy sack after sack as I sow all the seeds and I need to come back. The soil on my place isn't terribly good, making farming much harder than I thought it would. I've cast all these seeds and yet nothing is taken. My diet's been shortened to biscuits and bacon. If I get no produce from out of this bag, I may just surrender and run up the white flag. I see, said the man in the Mexican hat. My burrow's a question for you about that. When you plowed your acres, think back, reminisce. Did you use a ridge plow or old board or disc? And what fertilizer did you choose to spread? Sodium nitrate or sulfates instead? Did you go organic, something natural and pure, like compost or guano, bone meal or manure? The farmer just stood there, seed bag in his arms. What have these questions to do with my farm? My methods are simple, not much to critique. I don't spend much time on my former technique. Explain to your burrow, I'm happy to show him. I just take a handful of seeds and I throw them. The man in the Mexican hat bowed his head and considered all that the farmer had said. He then took a sip of his pink lemonade. We don't mean to criticize you or your trade. It just seems to us, for the seeds leave your hand, you might have done something to prepare the land for casting the seed. That's the easiest piece, while the hard work's accomplished before the release. The farmer, he nodded. I know what you mean. I've learned from my earlier sowing routine. This time, the newly bought seeds that I throw will land in an acre where everything grows. I think cultivation is now well in hand, and I'll be successful with this plot of land. I hope so, senor, the well-shaded man said, and pulled his sombrero from off of his head. I found in my life over my many years that land work with love and with sweat and with tears produces a harvest beyond expectation, while cutting the corners brings only privation. I fear you may realize, and you may find, your harvest will not be what you have in mind. Then back on his head, his sombrero we tucked. My burrow and I, we both wish you good luck. The farmer was puzzled by what the man said, and frankly, the bulk went right over his head. But smiling a thank you, he then took his leave and put into action the plan he'd conceived. Arriving at last near the briars and weeds, the farmer commences to sowing the seeds. He's careful to border the great thorny hedge and only deposit his load on the edge. 
Soon the ground sparkles and seeds it is frosted, leaving the farmer both glad and exhausted. So back to the farmhouse for well-deserved rest, he trusts in his method and hopes for the best. For the next several days, the skies darken with rain. The farmer must wait for the moisture to wane. He welcomes the timing of this summer's storm, for when it all passes and then becomes warm, he knows that his seeds will have all germinated and he'll make the harvest for which he has waited. Then one sunny morning, the skies are all clear. The day that he's waited for finally is here. He gathers his baskets, his gloves, and his tools. He doesn't need tractors, equipment, or mules. Sensing his great vindication has come, he heads for his field at a slow, steady run. Excitement increases as he nears the scene. That nice patch of ground looks so verdant and green. With dreams of his harvest, great vegetable snacks, he's suddenly dumbstruck and stopped in his tracks. For every last plant, the results of his seeds are wrapped in the tendrils of vile, choking weeds. Thistles and thorns overshadow the ground, especially where new little seedlings are found. He stands in impotence and sees that his slaving is tangled, twisted, and all beyond saving. He drops all his tools in a pile at his feet and sits in the dust filled with abject defeat. Perhaps I should go be a banker or clerk. I'm certainly nothing to show for farm work. And as his sad outlook continues to blue, he suddenly hears a sound tinkling and new. Turning his head, the sound source is revealed. It's the man in sombrero who's crossing the field. With burrow and toe, a bright ring carries back from a small silver bell in the animal's pack. The farmer stands up with his pride at its sparest. He's mortified, flustered, chagrined, and embarrassed. He's feeling forlorn and in no mood to chat when he's hailed by the man in the Mexican hat. Hola, senor. We were just passing by when your sitting alone in the dirt caught our eye. Pepe, he trotted, he scampered and hurried. My burro, you see, is concerned and quite worried. He looked past the farmer and gazed at the field, agricultural failure now fully revealed. It seems that your effort to sow on this land did not culminate in the way you had planned. A keen understatement, the farmer retorted. His mood was quite dark and his spirits contorted. I guess this is it. I have no more endurance. I can always bag groceries or go sell insurance. Nonsense, my friend, said the man in sombrero. Your strategy, it's just too simple, too narrow. As I said in our chat, our exchange at the store, preparing the soil, that's your secret, senor. Pepe and I, we can help you rewind and show you a thing or two, if you don't mind. With hands in his pockets and dirt in his shoes, the farmer says, well, what have I got to lose? The sombreroed man with a pat on the back walked over to Pepe and dug in his pack. 
He rummaged around and then proudly displayed a sharpened and gleaming, well-honed metal blade. And taking three poles and some stout leather thong, he fashioned a plow quick as you'd sing a song. Then hitching to Pepe and taking the reins, he turns to the farmer and gently explains. I carry this plow as a gift from my father. Some see it as burden, a folly, a bother. But I keep it handy and ready to wield whenever I come upon promising fields. Where soil is not trampled or rocky or shallow or covered in thorns, sitting useless and fallow. But when the ground's ready, as this ground is now, with my hands and my back and my shoulders, I plow. He smiled at the farmer and quick snapped the reins, beginning the first of a series of lanes. Soon he had plowed several arrow-straight furrows, all the while singing aloud to his burrow. When the man in sombrero plowed ten or twelve lines, the farmer inquired, Is it seed casting time? Not yet, said the man in the Mexican hat. There's one thing to do before we get to that. For plowing the rows is the farm appetizer. Before the main dish, we must mix fertilizer. He walked to his burrow and opened the pack, removing within several small burlap sacks. Set on the ground without rupture or snags, the farmer sees words are embossed on the bags. The man in sombrero is holding a pail and mixing a load without sequence or scale. A little from this bag, a little from that, commented the man in the Mexican hat. My father, he taught me this thing long ago when added to soil, it makes everything grow. So taking the bucket with mixture endowed, he sprinkles the stuff in each line that he plowed. While the man in sombrero is busy with that, the farmer examines more closely the sacks and sees that the word on each bag is unique. He tries to decipher this printed mystique. The first bag reads kindness. The second reads joy. Goodness and peace are bag three and bag four. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control with love and with patience completing the whole. He ponders the meaning, but cognizance flags. Why are these words here inscribed on these bags? And as he is puzzling this baffling quirk, the man in sombrero returns from his work. It is finished, senor. The plow field is prepared. My bucket is empty. No portion was spared. So if you are able and ready to go, the ground is now primed to receive what you sow. The farmer, perceiving a shift in his plan, addresses himself to the sombreroed man. I want to get working, but before I do, I have a bewildering question for you. I noticed the words on those bags in the sand, the meaning of which I just don't understand. Is what's found inside rare or magically fabled? Why are these bags so uncommonly labeled? The man then replied, there's no mystery at all. Those bags were inscribed by a planter named Paul. They always inspire and they always remind to love and invest in the ground that you find. If you want to harvest a bountiful yield, 
you've got to start working those things in your field. And if you are faithful and if you believe it, the land that you sow will most likely receive it. The farmer, he had a distinctive sensation. These words address more than just crop cultivation. I want to embrace the way you do your chores and fill up my own bags like you have filled yours. Raising sombrero and mopping his brow, the man said, you will, you already know how. My father, he knows when a planter is mine and gives what you're looking for, all in good time. The man in sombrero collected his sacks, then one by one placed them inside Pepe's pack. And when he had finished repacking and stowing, he said to the farmer, I better be going. Other farms, other farmers, my path, who can tell? But amigo, my burrow and I wish you well. With that they departed and walked across the clearing as the small silver bell gently faded from hearing. Well, needless to say, our fine farmer's elated, and soon all his land is sown and cultivated. He reaps a fine harvest from all of his labors, and even has food he can share with his neighbors. He's learned a great lesson that we all should heed. It isn't how far or how fast you throw seed, but rather the time we take loving the land that we wish to bless from our hearts and our hands. Ensure that your plow's neither rusty or dull, and make sure your bags are all bursting and full. Let's look to the Father, and not to our egos. The end. And vaya con Dios, amigos. The parable of the sower, found in Luke 8, verse 1 through 15, is one of the most familiar of Jesus' teachings. The examples of the various soils serve as effective metaphors, illustrating conditions of the human heart. As Christians, we are called to scatter the seed of the good news of Christ. In doing so, I think most of us tend to focus primarily on the seed being cast, and less on the ground, the life and heart receiving it. We may not even feel like the condition of the ground is our responsibility. Yet, like any good farmer, we should do all we can to prepare the soil upon which we desire to sow the seed of the gospel. In our story, the man in the Mexican hat plows with a blade sharp and true that he received from his father. In Hebrews 4, verse 12, we're told that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged blade. With it, we are able to penetrate deep, true, and pure into the ground of a life in need of the good news. But it doesn't stop there. You may have recognized the contents of the bags in Pepe's pack as the fruits of the Spirit, found in Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. It's these attributes, abundant in a Spirit-filled life, that we are called upon to lavish on and in the lives of those around us. Our attitudes, actions, and example do much to prepare the soil of the heart to receive the seed of the saving knowledge of Christ. 
Let's be good farmers, plowing straight and true with the Word of God and seasoning the hearts of those around us with the fruits of the Spirit. For when we do, a bountiful harvest awaits. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. The Really Bad Farmer was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Devotional thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, may your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes.